Right, this morning's reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, reading from verse 38 to verse 42, and it's on page 984 of the Church Bibles. <coughs> Sorry. At home, at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. So David's going to come and speak to us. So let's pray for David. Um, just as um, David prepares to speak, just, just to remind us that this, the heart behind this series is that we might be aware so much that our discipleship depends on God's action, not ours. Um, and that uh, regardless of anything we do, we are held, we are nurtured by a loving Father uh, because of who God is and not because of what we do or who we are. So let's pray for David. Father God, we thank you that you have given David these words to speak to us today, words to speak your life and your encouragement into our hearts, and words that help in that Spirit's work of renewing our minds. So we pray, Lord, give him joy as he speaks, give him confidence as he speaks, and Lord, let him minister to us this morning, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Just bear with me while I set up. Um, and you'll have to excuse me this morning, I've got a minor chest infection. So if I collapse onto the ground in a fit of coughing, just give me a moment and I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. <coughs> Matthew's already heard this sermon once, and it makes me wonder what I said in the first service that made him introduce me that way. I'm going to try not to let it worry me. Okay. A few weeks ago, I talked about uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, which is a garden at the base of the Mount of Olives, just outside of uh, Jerusalem. And if you follow that same road from Jerusalem, another mile or so, maybe 15, 20 minutes walk, you get to the small village of Bethany. Uh, which is where Mary and Martha lived. An interesting family because <coughs> although they were not formally part of Jesus' um, group of disciples, we actually know more about them than we know about some of the 12. 
there in this story. Um, of course, they feature again in the story of uh, Lazarus and his resurrection, who's their brother. Um, and so uh, I've always been kind of fascinated by this family who were obviously very dear friends of Jesus and a base of operations for him as he traveled around near Jerusalem, um, but are not part of that, uh, that core discipleship group. And this is one of the more famous stories about them. And it's a story which um, I think it's easy, isn't it, as we read it, to be a bit down on Martha. You know, it's easy to read the story and um, see Jesus' uh, gentle criticism of Martha and what she does. Um, and come away from it, I suppose, with a very negative view of Martha. But as I was uh, looking at it, my title this morning is about uh, attentiveness, being attentive to Jesus. And as I looked at it with that word attentiveness in my head, I asked myself the question, which of these women is not being attentive to Jesus? And it's hard to say that either of them are not being attentive to Jesus. Martha is doing what she ought to be doing. You know, Jesus traveled around in a group of 13 himself, plus 12 disciples, plus, you know, probably some, uh, some other people who he picked up along the way. You know, we know there were more than the 12 going around with him. Um, Mary and Martha are also there. Probably they had husbands, so that's another couple. Maybe Lazarus popped in to see what was going on. Maybe he had a wife, so that's another couple. Maybe some uh, other people from the village, you know, some important characters from the village popped in. Important rabbi come to... Uh, uh, have dinner in one of their houses. You know, Martha is catering for a group of, you know, eat comfortably 20, 25 people. This is a big group to cater for. I'm sure we've all done kind of uh, family Christmases and things like that, and we know that this is not a small job, okay? And this is what Martha was doing in the house. So it's not surprising that she found this uh, difficult and that she particularly found it difficult that Mary took the time to sit and, uh, and, and not help her. Because she was doing what she needed to do. She was doing what somebody needed to do and what needed to be done. It was her house, so it was her responsibility to do it. And I noticed that Jesus doesn't say that she does the wrong thing. He simply says that Mary does something better. It wasn't that Martha was in the wrong. It was that Mary found an even better way of being. So what was it that Mary did <coughs> that uh, was better than what Martha was doing in her attentiveness to Jesus? Martha was attentive to Jesus' needs, but Mary was attentive to what Jesus was saying and doing. She sat at his feet so that she wouldn't miss anything. Um, part of this series is based on this book, uh, Being Disciples by Rowan Williams. I uh, highly recommend it. It's only about 90 pages long, so it's a quick read, um, albeit, uh, you know, a complicated one. It's Rowan Williams. Um, and I've been kind of pondering on this uh, for uh, a few weeks, trying to get inside his head. Um, let my beard grow out, because I don't know, you know, Whatever authority and wisdom Rowan Williams had, some of it's got to be the beard. Um, <coughs> and I'd like to read a bit to you now. If you said to a modern prospective student 
that the essence of being a student was to hang on your teacher's every word, to follow in his or her steps, to sleep outside their door in order not to miss any pearls of wisdom falling from their lips, to watch how they conduct themselves at table, how they conduct themselves in the street, you might not get a very warm response. But in the ancient world, it was rather more like that. To be the student of a teacher was to commit yourself to living in the same atmosphere and breathing the same air. There was nothing intermittent about it. This kind of awareness is one of the characteristics that most clearly marks the true disciple. Disciples are expectant in the sense that they take it for granted that there is always something about to break through from the master, the teacher, something about to burst through the ordinary and uncover a new light on the landscape. The master is going to speak or show something. Reality is going to open up when you're in the master's company. And so your awareness, as has often been said by people writing about contemplative prayer, is a little bit like that of a bird watcher. The experienced bird watcher, sitting still, poised, alert, not tense or fussy, knows that this is the kind of place where something extraordinary suddenly bursts into view. I don't know if we can get that picture up. Um, this is a picture which, uh, in a moment, yep, yeah, this is a picture which Liz drew to illustrate this series. And it's based on this passage in this book. And you can see, <coughs> excuse me, you can see the little guy there. Spring, summer, autumn, winter, watching, waiting, knowing where he needs to be in order to see something extraordinary. And that's what Mary's doing here. She's positioning herself at the feet of the master. So that every word he says, she'll hear. She'll notice every glance that he makes across the table at Peter. Every, every thought he has, she'll spot and hopefully will be able to try and understand. It's that kind of attentiveness to Jesus that I think we need to cultivate in us. Hello. <coughs> Sorry, this is terribly distracting. <laughs> For people on the tape, there's a little baby just come up to me. Where was I? <laughs> I'm really sorry. <coughs> so it's this kind of attentiveness to Jesus and what he's doing <laughs> that we should be fostering in ourselves. That sitting at his feet, that through the year attentiveness to what Jesus is and what he's doing so that we don't miss the thing that we're waiting for. That moment where something is said that means everything. And that's what Jesus calls the better way, what Mary's doing there. And it's better not because it replaces action, but because it replaces action which distracts with action which joins with him in fulfilling his purposes. If you sit at the feet of the master and you look to understand 
his heart and his mind. Very soon you'll see what it is that needs to be done. You'll see the actions that need to be taken. And that leads you into uh, a better way of, of acting. So it's not, that, it's not that they didn't need feeding. It was that in being attentive to Jesus, perhaps Martha would have seen a way of doing it which didn't distract her and which didn't stress her out. And that's what we need to be looking for. But given that we can't realistically expect Jesus to turn up to our houses and can't sit physically at his feet and watch him physically, what does this look like to us now? Um, and to answer that question, I'd like to share a, a testimony with you. <coughs> Last weekend, I was in uh, a pretty uh, a not great place. Um, and uh, the week leading into that uh, had been uh, rough. Um, things had happened at work which uh, really knocked me off balance. Um, my health uh, had, has not been great for several weeks and I had the beginnings of this chest infection which uh, I'm still suffering with now. Um, and a whole bunch of stuff which has kind of been gathering for a, a year or so. Uh, doubts about decisions I've made and, um, you know, where I kind of am, where I've got to in my life. We're all getting on top of me. I was incredibly low uh, during that week. And by Saturday, it, it uh, was very much getting on top of me. And I'd started to think during that week... Um, Thoughts along the lines of, Jesus, you say you love me, but if I can feel like this, what use is your love to me? You know, I've been a Christian as long as I can remember, but if I can be this low, and if these kind of things can be happening to me, What's the point? And that's how I felt. And that's how I was praying that week. And then on Saturday evening, after a, 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 a difficult Saturday, there was a, a knock on the door during dinner. And I kind of got up ready to kind of fling open the door and go, how dare you, what kind of time do you call this? We're in the middle of dinner, go away. And uh, it was our neighbour who's just moved in a few months ago. And we're getting on reasonably well with them. Um, and he said, it's my daughter's birthday today. And we had this left over. He gave us a box with um, a big wadge of birthday cake with like, really, really thick pink icing. <laughs> and four Krispy Kreme donuts. I don't know if you've had a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> They're the donuts, good donuts get to be in the next life. They're amazing. <coughs> and he said, we had these left over. We, we want you to have them. Um, and so I took it in and, and, and brought it in. We carried on having dinner. And now, 
because I knew I had this talk coming up, I'd been doing a lot of, um, you know, when things happened, I'd been trying to, you know, exercise the kind of attentiveness I knew I was going to be talking about. You know, what are you trying to say to me in this moment, Jesus? And uh, the answer had come back uh, <laughs> up to that point had been pretty universally nothing, nothing much. As I looked at this box of donuts, I remembered uh, the passages in the gospel where Jesus said, consider the lily. Consider how beautifully clothed the lily is. Do you think God will leave you naked? Consider the sparrow who always has something to eat. Do you think God will leave you hungry? And I considered those donuts. And I thought, my neighbour, who I barely know, can bring me donuts. How much greater will the gifts be of God who loves me? And it spoke directly into all the complaints and all the hurt I felt that week. I came to church the next day, and again, in the sermon, there was a word of gentle reproval of how I'd acted that week, reminding me of a better way to act. In the choice of song, there was a reminder of the way God had blessed me historically. And... This hasn't happened since. It's just those, those real three things, really, Saturday evening and Sunday morning. But this week has not been any easier than the week before for me. But my attitude this week has been completely changed. And the way I have behaved and the way I have prayed and the way I've been... Um, I believe has been genuinely transformed by the fact that because, only because of this sermon, the fact that I was being attentive. I think that's what attentiveness is. It's, it's like the bird watcher. If you sit and you put yourself in a place, a, you know, a mental place, where you believe that Christ will talk to you and Christ will bless you, you put yourself in a place where Jesus can say something to you or do something which can be extraordinary. If you're not there, you miss it. But if you're there, if you're there the blessings are there to be had. Amen. <laughs>